Hello. Hi. Just a PSA. Last week we didn't have an episode. We had some technical difficulties and it was also Easter Sunday, so we just decided not to put out a video that mm-hmm. week. Um, Today we will be discussing a case that Chloe has that she did a bunch of research on and yeah. she's here to talk about it. Yeah, so I'll be talking about another cult this week. That's kind of my thing. Kind of the stuff I find interesting. And this cult actually involves our hometown. It sure does. And do we just want to delve right into it? I say we go ahead and go for it. I don't have much to talk about. Alrighty, well, today I'm going to be talking about Tony Alamo and the Alamo Christian Foundation. Whoop, whoop, how creepy. I'm going to go ahead and cite my sources. Go ahead. APA Stomach. Uh, I use the Encyclopedia of Arkansas History, uh, the Unsolved Mysteries Fandom Wiki, Wikipedia, and the New York Times. Sounds good. Uh, Another PSA, Mm -hmm. if you're an English teacher listening, I am so sorry (laughs) for using Wikipedia. Sorry, Uh, Miss McClellan. Sorry, Miss McClellan. Sorry, um... Literally anyone who's a teacher. Yeah. Literally anyone who's a teacher. I very much apologize. But that's what information was. And yeah. So, Tony Alamo was born as Bernie Lazar Hoffman on September 20th, 1934 in Joplin, Missouri. How excited. That sounds like a very boring place. Joplin? Joplin. No, it's like, um, they had a lot of... Folk music and like is that the most exciting thing? Okay. It's like the bluegrass capital of the world. Okay, well Something that's a little like more that. exciting. Have you ever been to Missouri, Branson? I've been to I think I have been to Missouri. I don't know if I've been to Branson. I've been to a lake in Missouri. I think Branson is the capital or whatever or like the the anyway. <laughs> I've been um, to a lake in Missouri. It was very nice, Missouri, peaceful. Missouri's all right. So he was born to a Jewish family. And he claims that his father was a uh, Jewish immigrant from Romania okay. who was a dance instructor. And he claims that. He claims that he was a dance instructor. Okay. He was a Jewish immigrant from Romania, but uh, Bernie very much claims that he is a dance instructor. Oh, okay. And he was a dance instructor for Rudolph Valentini. That's exciting. I think it's exciting. Uh, so the fact that um, his father was a dance instructor, this kind of turns into a little bit, uh, gives an explanation as to why he continues in the music industry, kind of grew up around it, at least in the entertainment industry. In the genetics. So when uh, Bernie was a teenager, he left Joplin for the West Coast for LA, Hollywood. Whoop, whoop. Hollywood. Um... And he adopted, he apparently adopted the name Marcus Abad for some time. Okay. That and eventually changes, I guess. Yeah, Since he changes his name. Alamo. Like, yeah, that's, that's, his, that's his final form. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon. It's <laughs> final evolution. Final evolution. Tony Alamo. Um, but, yeah, he adopted the name Marcus Abad and became a Big Bang crooner. Okay. Uh, a Big Bang crooner like Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very much a what? 
sort of, I'm sort of mimic Bing Crosby's like voice. He has a very like raspy voice. That crooning. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Big Ben croons with a specific male, uh, a specific type of male singing mm-hmm. in a in a jazz big band, and he earned a little bit of uh, success from this. Not much. Mm-hmm. Well, we know what he got famous for, so. So it obviously isn't that. Anyway, anyway, um, he in the sixties uh worked in Hollywood as a pop sing as as a singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says pop singer, but at that time, popular music was big band music. Yeah. So he he also worked under the names Mark Hoffman and Mark Skinner. Uh, and he owned quite a few record labels, including Little Mark, Little Mark, Alamo, and Talmo Records. Isn't isn't Little Mark a guy in um? And Super Smash Bros. What? You can play as that Lil Mark guy. Am I not? Am I going crazy? Brian's looking at me like I'm going crazy. You know that little wrestler guy? Is it Lil Mark? Lil Mac. Lil Mac. Not Lil Mark. Completely different thing. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Alongside the music industry, he he also went to uh, open up his own health club. Health club? Is that like a gym? It's like, I don't know, just health club. Okay. I'm going to assume it's just like a bunch of healthy stuff in one room. I'm going to assume it's like a, like a nutrition place. Oh, like that'd make more sense. I don't yeah. know. Who knows? But uh, he gained some more success in the music industry, and he claimed that he recorded a hit record single in the early 1960s. Claims. He claims. And he was actually asked to manage some musical acts, including the Beatles. Okay. The Doors. Oh. And the Rolling Stones. Nice. Good job. I think we've... You've heard of those bands, correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. Never. Uh, so that's a little bit about uh, the man who becomes Tony Alamo. Uh, now let's talk about his partner in crime, his wife. Edith Oberhorn. Edith. Was born April 25th. April 25th. 1925, Alma, Arkansas. She had been twice married with her daughter. Say I'm the charm. Go shut up. <laughs> we know what happened. We know what happened. Um, so she uh, got divorced twice, and she had her own daughter, and then she mm-hmm. had this like, I guess, kind of, kind of like a midlife crisis where you're like, oh, I have no idea what I'm gonna do with my life. Yeah. So she moved to Hollywood and became an actress. I guess that's always just the greatest plan. Yeah, and she was also born to a Jewish family. Okay. But uh, later converted to Christianity and became an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was before she actually met Bernie. And um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they met somewhere in the entertainment scene. Uh, she was an actress. He was a music person. I guess you have people connected to people. I guess so. Yeah. So they met somehow, some way, and, uh, you know, they were, I think, um, okay, there you go, Bernie was married at this time, and he eventually got divorced, so after they both divorced their respective spouses, Mm -hmm. um, they got married in a 1966 Las Vegas ceremony. You know how annoyed if I was, how, you know how annoyed I would be if I was one of those spouses? And you get divorced with me, and you automatically have a person to go to. Yeah. 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 It'd be a little suspicious. I had that happen in a relationship. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) 
Anyway, so when they got married, they legally changed their names to Tony and Susan Alamo. Okay. So, <laughs> now, it, this bitch claims. She claims. There's no, a lot he, of claiming. He, oh. The man. He claims a lot. He claims that he had changed his name beforehand to kind of mimic the Italian-American singers during this time. Okay, weird, but okay. <laughs> well, he wanted to give his name that star quality, yeah. you know? I mean, a lot of artists do that. Yeah, like... Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Rihanna. Um, who was it? Rihanna's her real name, and it's pronounced Rihanna. Okay. There was an interview about it. No, who am I thinking of then? Is it Kesha? Kesha did it, yeah. Is that Kesha? And- is Kesha... So, um, before they got married, actually, uh, homeboy, Tony, was in jail. He was in jail? He was in jail for mm-hmm. a weapons charge. Okay. Now, this guy seems, everywhere he goes, jail seems to follow him. Charges mm-hmm. seem to follow him. And we'll get into that. They get more intense as they go on. Um, Right. So, uh, and actually, um, homegirl Susan is nine years older than Tony. Um, but yeah, so when they got, they eventually got married and living a pretty good life. And then one day, according to Alamo, now, reliable source, before I say this, there's one thing that all, there's a lot of things that cult leaders have in common, Mm -hmm. but the, the major thing that starts it off is a, Oh, rejuven- rejuvenation. Rejuvenation what? girl. What the heck? No, he thinks he's Jesus. Or he thinks he's a, a descendant of yeah, Jesus. So, uh, Tony got his revelation while he was in a meeting at a Beverly Hills investment firm. Oh, weird place. He claimed that Jesus came to him and told him to preach the second coming of Christ in a Beverly mm-hmm. Hills investment firm. Tony, I'm sorry to tell you this, but at least like 1 in 25,000 people think that. For real. Yeah, you're not special. Not special at all. So, after this, him and Susan converted to Christianity. Okay. And they established something they called the Music School Church. Fun. And they began a Hollywood street ministry. So, basically, a street ministry is when they kind of just like stand on the streets and, like, hand out flyers to, like, mm-hmm. homeless people, drug addicts, like, vulnerable people. Very vulnerable people in low situations. Mm-hmm. And try to pry them to get them to come into their church. Very good way to spread your faith. Yes. And this was actually a uh, a little part of something called the Jesus People Movement, mm-hmm. which was a counterculture, which I really learned the definition of that in class the other day. Oh. But yeah, counterculture. So it's kind of like, so this big thing's going on, and then this, this the opposite is that is happening. Yeah. But in its in its own way, and that's a counterculture. And this counterculture was a part of the nineteen sixties, and they began uh, proclaiming a spiritual transformation and an allegiance to Jesus. And this Tony Alamo Christian Foundation was very much a part of the Jesus people movement. Yes. Of, of the sixties. So. Uh, a little bit about the basis, basics, principles of this church. Yeah, <laughs> the principles. The principles of this church. Beliefs. So the church was uh, a mix of Protestant, was Protestant, mm-hmm. and had a little bit of Pentecostal influence, 
and it was often referred to as being a sect of the Jesus movement. The Jesus movement. Okay. It was extremely anti-Catholic. Yes. Extremely anti-Catholic, Ew. and they only accepted the King James Version of the Bible. Okay. And the morals had to adhere to something, to a moral code, mm-hmm. which banned a lot of things. Of course. What did it ban? It banned drugs. Okay, understandable. Homosexuality. Not understandable. Adultery. Understandable. Birth control. Not understandable. And abortion. Not understandable. Okay. And so, people who joined the church Mm -hmm. were very much convinced that it would become a, almost like a rehab for them. Yeah. Kind of help them get back on their feet and stuff. And when they became involved in its actual rehab program, they had to take take a vow of poverty. Ew. That's awful. (laughs) And agreed to turn all of their money and property over to the church. Mm-hmm. The church, a.k.a. Tony, it's easy. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, in return to this, though, this is what was claimed. This mm-hmm. is what Alamo, the Alamos claimed, that in return, their own needs would be met, and that their children would receive a basic education through high school. Okay. So, let's talk a little bit about the living. Mm-hmm. Not good. At all. So they lived in a communal living space. Okay. Which means that they slept together. Mm-hmm. When you say this, I view like the midsummer, midsummer, like the room they all had to sleep in. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, so they all lived in the communal living space where they all just basically did everything together. Yeah. And it was very packed. Um, the church actually quickly expanded, and Tony started to buy businesses around the areas, mm-hmm. and he eventually established uh, his his official compound, his first official compound, in Saugus, California. Okay. It sounds like sausage. Maybe. So that's how I remember it. Okay. Sausage, sausage, California. Sausage, California. Right. So, uh, they started living in this commune. And they worked at the surrounding businesses that Tony owned mm-hmm. at this time. And the the salary that they earned was handed over to Tony. And I bet it wasn't very much. No, it really wasn't. Because he was like, well, I'm giving you what you need. I'm giving you the bare essentials. And why do you need this money? Yeah. yeah, why do you need this money? And, you know, because greedy bastard. Mm-hmm. So, um, with the, the the labor being from the followers, uh, the Alamo turned their church into a pretty hefty financial empire pretty quickly. And what's sad about this is, of course, the you know you have someone big at the top, so you gotta yeah. exploit the, the the workers. Of course. And, um, so this caused many members to scavenge food mm, that's awful from the supermarket dumpsters mm. and were forbidden they were forbidden from flushing the toilets more than every two days that's so awful because you know water bills yeah so anything he's got to do to exploit these people he for did. money mm-hmm. he did he very much did um and a lot of these members were were young people yeah you know young drug addicts young mm-hmm. alcoholics young prostitutes who really thought that coming in would change things. Mm-hmm. That they were finally given a 
place of community, yes. a place of hope, mm-hmm. and a place that they could really transform themselves into a better person. And here they are being exploited mm-hmm. and treated like rats. Jeez. And it's really sad. Uh, and how they would how they would com- like make people come in other than just the street ministry is that um, they would you know go on the streets of Hollywood. Yeah. And encourage people to come in for a meeting and a meal. Okay. So they would ask them to come in, sit down for like a quick little meeting, and then give them a hot meal. Okay. Um, and many of these people decided to stay because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they they saw the light in it. They saw, yes. they were optimistic about it. They were like, okay, this seems like a pretty good place. And mm-hmm. they feed me. Yeah. Girl. Not for long. So, uh, many of the individuals chose to stay, mm-hmm. and uh, they became Bible students okay. and lay ministers. Mm. I I don't know what a lay minister is, necessarily, but a Bible student is basically someone who just follows yeah. the Bible uh, that, that they're reading, which is only the King James Version. So, a little bit later, in 1975, the Alamos purchased land in Dar which is near Alma, Arkansas, mm-hmm. and they established the main branch of the Music Square Church, which uh, later they just called it the Holy Alamo Christian Church, and, uh, you know, officially changed it, it, its name, and Tony started buying even more businesses around the Alma area, only up to 29 businesses. Jesus. 29. Can you imagine? Just... Everyone. Having that much power, too. Yeah, and uh, I'll get, when we get to the foul part, I'll mention something my grandmother said. Shout mm-hmm. out to my Big Red, who told me about this. Yeah. I have not talked to Big Red in forever. <laughs> my granny, she told me about this. She was like, girl, you need to do this case. And I said, okay. So, <laughs> um, his biggest businesses in the Alma area were the Alamo Western Wear. Okay. Uh, the Alamo Restaurant mm-hmm. and the Alamo Discount Grocery. Okay. And who worked here? His followers. Yes, of course. So you all have, like, the same people mm-hmm. working everywhere. That's so are. creepy to think about. Yeah. So they worked there for basically nothing. And, um, you know, church started getting bigger for some reason, even though their followers were treated like abs- absolute shit. Yeah. Uh. But they, but it grew, it mm. grew and grew and grew, and they established comp- they established another compound in Nashville, Oh my Tennessee. gosh! It gets crazy. Yeah, it gets absolutely crazy. I don't understand how you can exploit your people like that and treat them the way you treat them, and then have more people wanting to join. Exactly. Like either they're re- keeping it a really good secret. Or people just people ignore just it. Ignore it. I don't understand that. Like I understand, like getting into the cult mentality. Yes, I understand that you're vulnerable. You think you have a place of hope. They're very nice to you, and you know you see the light at the end of the tunnel. But you see people join the Scientology church all the time, and they know what how that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I I don't get that. You know, you going in head first, knowing what's yeah. wrong with it. And you're still okay with it? Yeah, that's insane. I, I don't, I do not understand it. Um, but yeah, his, his church grew huge. And the, uh, the headquarters, uh, we, you know, we're, we're in Arkansas. And, um, 
the compounds were often from substances called a down and out. Okay. Which I'm assuming that means like wounds. Like, you know, just like, Yeah, like really bad. Yeah, just not the best. And um the bunk houses where people lived. As many as twenty people lived in them. Too many. Where they would just play, eat and sleep together. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have any clothes. It had to stink really yeah. bad. You can't even give people the basic necessity of plumbing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So, these followers would work dust to dust. Mm-hmm. Dust to dust. And, um, they'd, they'd go in super early, work hard all day for basically come home super late. I don't understand why they would work. I would have just been like, you're not paying me, no, no thank you. I don't... I guess he would, like, be like, oh, then you can't stay here. Then you can't be part of benefits. Yeah. If you don't stay. Um, so yeah, like I said, their money quickly turned over to the Alamos, mm-hmm. and this started causing some resentment amongst the followers, and, uh, because they noticed, like, hey, we're living like rats, and they're living this lavish lifestyle. Exactly. It does not Full size. But of course, Tony said, hey, wait a minute. If you stay faithful to me, I will promise you all of these rewards. Like a point system. Yeah. So he he uh promised them similar rewards mm-hmm. to what he has. Like a little bit of, a little piece. Yeah. Of lavish lifestyle. It's like, hey, it's like in school when you're like, hey, if you get a good test score, you'll get a pizza party. Yeah, and then you end up getting one slice of pizza. It's like a quarter of a slice. Yeah. Like, and that oh, tiny, thanks. tiny thing of Coke. I studied and took an eight hour test, and now I get a half a slice of pizza. And then it tastes like cardboard. Yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's very much what this is. Mm-hmm. And um, so in 1976. Uh, the church relocated to die, and they grew several hundred members and members, 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 and they uh, established printing facilities. Okay, a school. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and a tabernacle. Don't trust them with a school. They also opened up a uh, rehab center. Okay, don't trust them with that either. No. 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 And of course, businesses mm-hmm. that Tony businesses. owned around the area, the people would work there. And for some god awful reason, it expanded even further. Great. To Chicago. No, stay out of Chicago. Brooklyn. And Miami Beach. Y'all can keep Miami. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> don't take Brooklyn, Chicago. Y'all, y'all can, can have Florida. Y'all can have Florida. Y'all can have Florida. Florida go. You can have Florida. You can have Florida. So, um, these businesses really started popping off in these different areas. And eventually, Alamo grew interested in the denim jacket industry. Very weird. Denim jacket industry. Yeah, I've, I've looked up his jackets. They're not that cute. No. They're not very nice. You see a lot of celebrities wearing them. Of course. Motley. Dolly. Uh, Michael Jackson. Um, so these jackets... Uh, he started airbrushing them with bright, colorful designs. Very and, like, like, what's it called? Bedazzling? Sequins. No. 
Because there were crystals. Oh, like those fake little, yeah, yeah crystals. Yeah, bedazzling. He started bedazzling his jacket. So, yeah, and even Michael Jackson himself wore a modified leather Alamo jacket on the cover of that. Yeah. So, I, how do you buy a cult leader stuff, yeah. bro? Like, I mean, you can see a, a picture of Molly Cyrus wearing it in her um, wrecking ball phase. Yeah. It's really ugly. I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. I didn't like it knowing what happened to him. Yeah. Knowing what he's done. Um... So, eventually, with the success of the denim jacket industry popping off, um, the church quickly became Nashville's largest country and western clothing store. Oh. In Nashville! You know how many places there are to get country clothes? In Nashville. Nashville? And a cold one became the biggest? Are yeah. you kidding me? Exactly. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. And, you know, they still have to expand. Of course. They still have to expand. So they started publishing religious tracts and started distributing <laughs> tapes of sermons. Religious tracts. Girl, not like T-R-A-C-K-S. No, these are T-R-A-C-T-S. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like a mixed tape. Yeah, they just, just had a diss track yeah. against other cults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they went off on Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Marilyn Manson? <laughs> I'm at Charles Manson. Holy crap. Oh my god. <laughs> Not Marilyn Manson. Not well, Marilyn. maybe they did. Marilyn Manson's pretty controversial with the religious type. Maybe they did go off on him. Maybe they did. See, I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway. Um, and with the assistance... Of some of the church members, they started produ- to produce records and tapes. So you weren't too far off. Okay. And in 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 the late seventies, they began a national television ministry. Woohoo! Yeah. This sounds pretty great for him, right? Pretty, well, I'm sure. Good for the he's elements. living it up. Yeah, he's living it up until until nineteen seventy six. Nineteen seventy six. When? When? The U.S. Department of Labor whoop, whoop, labor brought charges against him for violations of the Fair Labor Standard Act. Good. Violating workers, basically. Yes, as workers. he did. And uh, so Alamo had not been issuing checks to his employees, and he offered the, the lowest financial uh, rewards he possibly could. Of course. And this led to uh, very angry followers, so they began to report him. Good. Um, he eventually lost the suit, as well as an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court mm-hmm. in uh, 1985. So this dragged out for a little while. Yes. And that same year, the IRS revoked his tax exemptions <laughs> for the church from the years 1977 to 1980. So they, uh, they, you know, separation of church and state. Yeah, he Churches has to don't pay. have their taxes. Mm-hmm. And so Tommy very much took this idea and manipulated it and was like, oh, I don't have to we're a church. Yeah. We don't have to pay taxes. What about all your businesses and you exploiting your followers? No, they're church owned. <laughs> they're church owned. I don't have to pay taxes. They're church owned. Oh my gosh. And he uses that very much against them the entire time through mm-hmm. his legal through his legal stuff. So, um, Alamo's attorneys 
uh, kept the issue in, like in the court system mm-hmm. from 1985 to 1992, arguing that church-owned enterprises, the businesses that they had, yeah. were were exempt from federal income taxes because they were churches in disguise. Yes, but this dude, trial judge, special trial judge mm-hmm. Larry in Namroth, he was like, "That's so stupid." Thank you, Larry. He said that no. This, I know what y'all are doing. Yes, he exactly. that the organization was essentially operated for Tony and Susan's private benefit. Yep, thanks Larry, and period. And issued that the IRS, come through Miss IRS, uh, he said, y'all need to go see some of this church property for an auction. Yeah, exactly. So they took some of the property and they said, who owns it? Highest okay. bidder gets it. Yeah. But y'all can't have it. Okay, good. Because y'all don't treat y'all people right, and y'all don't pay for this land. No. So you can't keep it, honey. So, <laughs> on June 8th of 1994, he was convicted of one charge of filing a false income tax return. Okay. And three charges of failing to file a tax return. Mm-hmm. So, motherfucker just isn't doing his taxes, or at least isn't doing the right. Um, and his testimony during the trial revealed that the church, this is mind-boggling, the church had a total income mm-hmm. of $9 million during the and you, three years uh, he didn't pay taxes. And you couldn't pay your workers. Ashley says, in addition to this, mm-hmm. judgment against Alamo showed him only another $5 million to Former church members are unpaid work. Oh my god. So, what did he do? He declared bankruptcy. Oh, obviously. And his businesses began to clash, and in September 1994, uh, he was sentenced by the federal court for Western District to six years in federal in federal correction institution. And where? Where? Texarkana. Texarkana, Texas. Texarkana. That's where we're from. And in July 1998, he was transferred from Texarkana he was transferred to Texarkana. Okay. So, that's not the only thing going on with Tony during the 70s and 80s. Uh, that was just, I, I basically went over just the money part, and the money uh-huh. part, you know, lasted 20 years. Yeah. But he had other stuff going on during this time, um, even before he got to Texarkana. Yes. So, during all this tax evasion crap, more allegations started to come against him. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. So, there were reports mm-hmm. of child abuse. Mm-hmm. And on March 25th of 1988, sheriff, sheriff's deputies raided the Saugus, California compound and found three boys that were abused. Okay. And uh, reunited them with their natural fathers. Good. So the fathers had been members of the Arkansas compound, mm-hmm. um, but they had been excommunicated. Okay. And so their wives uh, remarried in the, in the. I'm guessing they remarried to other members of the church. Yes, they did. Kind of keep re- it in the. Yeah, but they were the wives and boys were in the Saugus in the California one, mm-hmm. and the husbands were were in the Arkansas. Okay. Because they got you know, excommunicated. And so eventually they reunited the boys with their fathers and they all moved back to California. 
And the the district judge at this time, the U.S. District Judge Morris Arnold, uh, he found that the boys had really had had been abused, mm-hmm. and he late he later awarded damage costs to the boys. Good job. And Alamo, he claimed that he and his followers had no assets oh and were living hand to mouth. Whatever. He also apparently issued a death threat against Arnold. And uh though he he was a later in the adventure. Okay. So he grew angry and started like threatening <gasps> literally threatening uh judges. Oh my gosh, what a little baby. Yeah, kind of. Oh my god. And uh one of the fathers actually, Robert Miller had previously overseen the, the church's trucking company. Mm-hmm. And he said that Alamo embezzled $100,000. Ew, I hate and him. And in 1990, Alamo failed to appear at any court to answer the charges. What a freaking, like, how much of a just baby, of a little titty baby can you be? Well, let me give you some reasoning as to why he may have been a titty baby. <laughs> 1980. So we're back peddling just a little bit. I want to mm-hmm. tell you about his charges first before I tell you okay. what happened. Um, but in 1980, Susan was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. And uh, in 1982, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the City of Faith Hospital, she passed away due to complications uh, of breast cancer. And um, Tony couldn't believe this. Mm-hmm. He could not believe that his partner person died. Okay. He just couldn't couldn't handle it. And this part he convinced himself and his followers <clears throat> that Susan would rise from the dead. The, I wonder if his partner I like not his partner. His followers were actually like, oh yeah, I believe you or if they were like, okay, okay. Well sure. I'll get to that in a minute. Some did, some did. Okay. And when she was involved, so when all of the fluids were taken out of her body mm-hmm. and they put in that preservative fluid, yeah, um, they kept her body on display for six months. Gross. Just on display mm-hmm. in front of everyone. And then moved it to the heart-shaped marble mausoleum on the church property. Okay. So they kept her body on display. And this mausoleum is kind of huge. Yeah, it's, it's an underground mausoleum. It's big, though. Uh, my granny thought it was a cave. <laughs> she heard somewhere that it was a cave, because I was talking to her about it. She was like, I thought it was a cave. Oh, granny. And I was like, granny, it was a mausoleum that was kind of underground. And if you go on our Instagram, you can see the picture of it. It's really huge. Yeah. Um, And if you see it, it kind of looks like a pool a little. There's no water. So the outside of it is, is a heart shape. And the followers would stand outside of it and pray to her. To her. That is odd. I, it was, okay. They either, I know they prayed to her, but I think it was for her return. Okay. And my grandma brought up an int- a really interesting point. She said, even if, even if people could. Yeah. Rise from the dead. Would they even be human? I mean, they're involved. She's yeah. involved. She has no blood. I don't think they were thinking about this very logically Probably at all. Probably not. It was, I think it was another one of Tony's uh, strategies to manipulate his followers. To keep them there. To keep them there. Mm-hmm. But to go that far, like, hey, 
my, my, my dead wife is gonna come back is to gonna life. come back to life y'all so we gotta keep her on display yeah weird that's so disrespectful towards the body in six months she had to be like decomposing like that had to be kind of gross and then put her in the mausoleum yeah and then put her in the mausoleum mm. six months ew girl anyway so this part is crazy in February of 1991, there was a raid at the Arkansas compound. Okay. And during this raid, Alamo knew about it previously, knew that it was going to happen, and he he told his followers to bring the body of Susan along. Oh. A little adventure for her. What like, a great I know. idea. She, she is not resting in no, she is looking down or up or whatever at them. And be like, can y'all please, please, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I've been enough. through enough. For real. And then finally, um, in 1995, mm-hmm. her estranged daughter, you know, you know the daughter that, that she left. That she just left. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, she left that daughter eventually. The daughter did not stay in the church. The daughter did not really stay in Hollywood. No. She just left. Yeah. We don't know what really happened, but we do know that in 1995, her daughter, I will try to pronounce her name, Chrysanthemum Coy. Okay. Uh, she, uh, filed a suit against yeah. Tony. Basically, to probably bring just her yeah. Dead body back. She was like, "Can y'all please stop dragging her around?" Please. And so, after three years, on July twenty third, nineteen ninety eight, okay, they finally brought the body to a funeral home in Van Buren. Thank God. And then a month later, they 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 uh moved her to one in, in Tulsa. Okay. Where she, you know, yeah, actually died. So yeah, people would stand around her, her. People would stand around the Muslim and pray to her. So weird. And I just, I don't know what exactly they would say and what exactly they would do. Mm-hmm. But I know they would stand around, and I, I, I think I saw a clip of them singing too. Okay, so basically worshiping her basically, in a way. In a sense. Yeah. And um. So weird. I don't. I don't get it. No, not at all. Why do you want to drag your dead wife, wife around yeah. so weird like i get it if it's like an urn yeah and you want to be around it like it's her actual body is a little her odd embalmed body, yeah bro. like how sick in the head yeah well at that point it must have been like skeleton too it wasn't like maybe not a skeleton but very decomposed no they had the preservative fluids okay I don't really know what a body looks like. I mean, does that lo- last very long? I don't know. If anyone has the answer to that, please let us know. I don't yeah, know how. I, bet, like a I don't know how long embalming lasts. I'm gonna assume that it preserves the body. You know, like when you see those pig fetuses. Yeah, but those are like a jar. Well, yeah. They kept on display. Like, I, I don't know. Oh. So weird. Anyway, so. After his wife died, Tony became very erratic. Mm-hmm. As if he wasn't already. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so 
and he became prone to like increased anger outburst, mm-hmm. especially on his father. Yes. And this takes this 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 part that happens. Okay. I. This is. <laughs> this is where I draw the line. I'm kidding. Do the line way long time ago. Um. So he started being really mean to the children of the yeah. followers. And he was he was very much into corporal punishment mm-hmm. for kids who behaved. So this one little girl, uh, she suffered from epilepsy, and one time she was having a, a, a seizure. And Tony said that she was had been possessed by the devil. Oh. And they proceeded to beat her. Jesus. And not like spank on the butt when like, you like accidentally get in, when you on purpose get into the cookie jar. Yeah. I'm talking about beat. Yeah. Beat beat beat. Jesus. By other, by, by the men. Of yeah. The, uh, like, imagine being the father. I guess he didn't. Imagine being the mother yeah. if the mother was there, I'm assuming. If the father was there. If the parents were there, I'm assuming. But, could you imagine? Yeah, and I be, can't. Like, at that point, you just need to leave. Leave. Kill Tony. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing ideas <laughs> So, uh, despite this behavior, mm-hmm. um, outside compound, Tony had gained the reputation as a country singer and a businessman. Wow. And who, 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 who emphasized the importance of men's fashion, the, the denim jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, he even gained notice of Hollywood stars such as Mr. T. Whoop, whoop. Michael Jackson. And Hulk Hogan. Oh, God. So, yeah, aside from the compound, he had a suit jacket business. And, uh, one thing I failed to mention earlier is that the crystals on his jackets were hand painted by the cult members, mm-hmm. by the followers. And, uh, he basically turned, um, his, some of his businesses into sweatshops. Mm-hmm. And, um, when this happened, his, his net worth rose to over Jeez. And some of his jackets were as, were as expensive as four figures. Oh my god. Could you... A jacket. A jacket. Much. A denim jacket that yeah. you airbrushed and put crystals on. Yeah. Like, what is the significance? So, because of his variety success, mm-hmm. he began spending less time at the compound, mm-hmm. and when he would visit... He would only stay there to reprimand his followers. Okay. And so he had uh, people that he, I guess, technically put in charge. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like when the, when the teacher leaves the classroom? Yeah. Like, like, <coughs> take names. Take names on the board. Take names on the board. It didn't always go well. I would abuse that. Yes, I'd me too. Like, if you spoke, some kids will, like, speak a word on purpose mm-hmm. just so they get their name on the board. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I took it very seriously. Me too. <laughs> We were those kids. We girl. were those kids. Oh, and then when we would get our names written on the board, I would cry. Throw a fit. I would cry. Throw a fit. Anyway, um, so yeah, he had some followers that he would like put in charge. Take names. Okay. <laughs> um, and he he encouraged these people to inflict punishments on other followers. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, when he called himself a taskmaster when he visited. <laughs> Um, he was not there as, like, the leader. He was mm-hmm. not there as, you know, he was just there to make sure everything was going smoothly. Yeah. 
Um, one more thing about these sweatshops is that they would literally work 10, 14 hours a day. Oh my god. You had, like, no life outside of it. No, we were tired. Okay, so, uh, eventually, one of the former followers complained to the police Mm -hmm. and the Department of Labor in 1985 that, uh, compensation had not been forthcoming. Mm Mm-hmm. And charges were prepared against me for tax evasion and having something called is- ipso facto slave labor. Okay, I can kind of piece together what that is. Yeah. Uh, I'll look up what ipso ipso facto. I think it's Latin. Yeah. Dr. Williams is always talking about it. Uh, it it translates to by the fact itself. So okay. Basically, it's just literally slave, slave labor. labor. Just slave labor. Um, so when word got out of this, the jackets finally lost their appeal to the Good. public, and people started to leave. Good. The compound and the organization as a whole. Um, yes. Why did it take so? Why did it take him convincing the slave labor above the other stuff that happened to, to convince these people to stop buying the jackets? Yeah. You shouldn't have bought one at all. No. Plus, they're ugly. Plus, they're ugly. Let's talk about some more disruptive charges. This disgusts me. As long, as much as everything else, this disgusts me. Yeah. Too. In 1988. 1988. Two female followers claimed that they, that they had been molested oh. and brought forth separate charges of child abuse against Tony. Those poor girls. So what a disgusting person. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll get into this child brother in a minute. Yeah. Um, so the two former members eventually received $1.4 million in civil damages. And the marshal, the U.S. marshal during this time, seized the compound to satisfy the settlement. Mm-hmm. And before Tony could actually be arrested, he fled in 1989. Of course. I don't know where he fled to. It just says that he fled. I'm assuming somewhere in Arkansas. Because of what happened next. So, because of this, he started, you know, threatening judges and claiming that he would kidnap them in order to, <gasps> in order for them to stand in his court. Oh, oh my god. Kidnapping judges? Are you kidding me? What an idiot. Like, literally having to take a second to think about how idiotic he how is. stupid he is. Yeah. How sick. In the head, this guy is. So, before I talk about that, let me talk a little bit about um, his child brides. So, after Susan died, he he took in two 15-year-old girls as his wife. Um, One of them, on June 23rd of 1984, he married a Swedish native named, I'm going to try to, pronounce her name the best I can, Brigitte Gillenhaver, mm-hmm. and they also married in a Las Vegas ceremony. I can't believe that was allowed to happen. Yeah, I don't know. It I, just doesn't make I sense to me. I literally don't know how. how yeah, I have they no allow that. And so she later said that Alamo wanted her to have plastic surgery to look Ew. like Susan. Ew. 
disgusting. And if you see, and if you go on her Instagram and look at the pictures of them, they're not attractive people. No, not, not at all. At all. At all. So, she also claimed that he would regularly beat and drug her. Oh. So, um, this was his, this was his supposed third marriage. Mm-hmm. And, um, in a 1986 Arkansas Gazette report, they found out that she, Gillen Homer, had been Alamo's sixth wife. Ugh. And that he apparently had been married four times prior to Susan. Jesus, and dude. And between 1986 and 1990, the preacher, he he married twice. Yeah. One of those being an eight-year-old girl. Ew. What is this deal? An eight-year-old girl disgusting absolutely let me repeat that in case you didn't hear me the first two times he married an eight-year-old girl let me tell you what this man's disgusting quotes he said okay he said that consent is puberty ew i don't even have anything to say about that it's just obviously so disgusting so he assumes that when a woman hits, when a little, not even a woman, when a little girl hits puberty, she can give consent. No. What an idiot. What a disgusting person. I can't tell you how sick in my head this yeah. is. I, I literally, I don't understand. No. What is, what is inside of a person that's like, you know what, I'm gonna marry, like, a little eight-year-old girl. Like, what? Just a sick person. He's just disgusting. And my granny mentioned something very, um, very detailing. Yeah. She said that usually when they marry these child brides, it's not about, like, the sexual desire. Usually, mm-hmm. sometimes it is. Most of the time, it's about power. Yeah. And it's established. I mean, that's why he's a power. cult leader, too. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if they're like, oh, uh, I have to establish my, 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 my presence, my power mm-hmm. by manipulating these young girls. Yeah. And amongst this, um, he was also convicted of sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, between borders of young girls, of underage girls, and, um, yeah. Disgusting. What a terrible, terrible, terrible person. So, he, he, he was in, he was in federal prison in the, in the Texas Cannon facility for a little while, um, and he got released in 1998. And he quickly, very quickly, resumed his status as the head of a now smaller church called the Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, mm. which is headquartered where? Falk. Miller County. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he even had branches in Fort Smith and Los Angeles. Mm. And the radio got a hold of him, and the radio stations in the U.S., Africa, Sri Lanka, and the Philippines started talking about him. And he claimed, well, no, I don't want to hear it. What is it? He claimed that the government's actions against him were merely the mechanisms of Satan. <gasps> and his yeah. followers continued to attract controversy for distributing his literature oh across, across the U.S. and beyond. Oh, oh my gosh. Girl! What? I. Jesus Christ. Shout out, Grandma. Mm-hmm. Taking this. This is going crazy. But, um. 
finally, in October 2007. Does he die finally? Well, not yet. <laughs> you were like two years ahead, bro. But in October 2007, the Tony Alamo Christian Ministries was listed as a hate group. Good. By the Southern Poverty Law Center on account of its anti-Catholic rhetoric. Good. Not because it was homophobic. I mean, there's a bunch of things that it could have been. Not because it was this and that and that. Because it was anti-Catholic. Yeah. Which, understandable. Mm-hmm. And a year later, on September 20th, 2008, state and federal officials raided Alamos, his, his spout compound. Okay. Uh, and this was apparently a part of a two-year investigation into allegations of child abuse and child porn. Oh, God. So, on September 25th, 2008, uh, Alamo was arrested in Flagstaff, Arizona, which, by the way, is a very nice little city. <laughs> um, on a federal warrant warrant charge charging him with violating the Man Act, uh, which was a federal statute enacting, enacted to stop the trafficking of women. Yes. Or, or young girls across state line. Um, he did, apparently he did this from March 1994 through October 2005. Oh, God. How many years is that? Almost 10? A lot. <laughs> Wait, okay, we debated this last time. Was it 10 or 20? It's 10. 1994 to 2005? It's about, 1994 to 2005 is about 11 years, isn't it? It's about 11 years. About? We pre-recorded this episode. This is take two. You can yeah. want to know. And last time we had argument, that we said it was 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Bro, what is wrong with us? A lot. Anyway. We're not good with time. Or math. It's really just a thing with Or math. money. Or money. Or geography. We, we can stop there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he'd been trafficking young girls across state lines for like 11 years. And at the end of at the end of one of the trials, um, several women had testified that they had been sexually abused by Alamo. I'm glad they came forward, though. And then that's when the, the, the information about the eight-year-old wife came about. Okay. Okay, this this says that uh, that they had been forced to marry him mm-hmm. as young as eight years old. Okay, so that means he probably had otherwise just as young or just a little bit older. Yeah, so multiples. I can't. No. So finally, this disgusting fuck was found guilty on July twenty fourth, two thousand nine, on ten counts of taking underage girls across state lines for sex. Okay, disgusting. Ten counts. Yeah. And they might, that might not have been all of them. Yeah, that's all he got convicted of. And five of the women during this time testified that they had been uh, they had been forced to marry him in secret ceremonies when they were minors and that they had been taken to places outside of Arkansas and to have sex with him. Probably Las Vegas. Probably. Since that's where he got married to some of them. I don't get to know the Las Vegas marriage laws. Yeah. Maybe, especially during this time. Exactly. Like, so, finally, on November 13th, he was sentenced to, you want to take a guess at how many years in prison? I would hope it's life. Well, 
give me a number. 365. Girl, 175 years in prison. No bail. No possibility of parole. And was fined. $250,000. I'll be rots. Girl, he did. I'm good. So on December 2nd, 2010, the 8th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, I believe is in New Orleans, I think, or Dallas. It's one of those. Um, they, you know, because uh, we, we, in, in the prison system, you can keep, you can keep trying to get a trial and appeal. Yup. So, uh, on this day, uh, they upheld, they uphold, they upheld his conviction. Good. And sentence. They were like, excuse me. Why did you think this would work out? You think you could get out after doing all this? Sis, no. No, 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 no. No. Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. And I think the federal prison that he got re- this is, this is not the Texarkana one. That, that was back in the day. That was before, uh, 2000. Uh, but this one, I'm pretty sure, was maybe in Illinois. I think. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But I read something about it being in Illinois. Okay. Actually, let me... I can look that up real, real fast. Federal prison where Tommy... Girl, what is... North Carolina. Okay. <laughs> North Carolina. He, 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 it was, it was in Bunter, North Carolina. Okay. The federal wasn't there. And, um, in February 2014, a Miller, um, Miller? Miller County judge, um, who was the largest personal injury judge in Arkansas history. Oh, good uh, Awarded $525 million dollars. Uh, in actual and punitive damages to seven former members of the Tony Alamo Christian Food Ministries. Okay. So, uh, a lot of financial compensation. Mm-hmm. Lots. Uh, I can only imagine the mentality these people had during this time. Yeah. And I've no amount of money. No, definitely not. No amount of money. Definitely, definitely not. No amount of money. No. Could possibly equate to the shit they went through. Yeah. I know I'm cussing a lot, I apologize, but this it's just really sick. Yeah. Really sick. So, eventually, um, you know, he was he was arrested and convicted in two thousand nine mm-hmm. and sentenced to hundred and seventy five years and he remained in the Buncher, North Carolina federal prison until May second, two thousand seventeen, where he died when he Bye-bye. <laughs> Hope it was slow. I have um, no sympathy for him. No empathy, none. no sympathy, no nothing. None. None. in my body. And uh, my granny actually told me the other day they rated him out. Um, compound. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about this. Yeah, sure. It, it was the cars everywhere. My mama had a blood infection that day. Anyway, <laughs> that's, what she, that's my grandma. She was like, yeah, your mama's going to the hospital. We're not aware. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy Yeah. Crazy I'm sure. And, um, if you're from that area, like we are, you know nothing ever happens there. No, nothing. And so when something does... Everybody's nosy. It, every, yeah, I mean, go look at us. <laughs> yeah. We're running a podcast on how nosy we are. But, um, it, yeah, it just shocked me. Mm-hmm. 
just utterly shocked him. And what confuses me is like, okay, how do you go from Michael Jackson to Falk? Yeah, that was a downgrade. Like, okay, imagine like sitting with like sitting before you tell someone this case. You're like, today we're gonna be talking about blank, 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 and it involves the following, and you just say Michael Jackson Falk in the same. Yeah. If you know anything about Falk, it's nothing. Utter nothingness. They got a monster mark. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And a spoon. Yeah. That's it. What else y'all got? Huh? Nothing. I'm listening. That's why I didn't say nothing. I've been to Falk, I don't know how many times, and there's nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. They got one gas mark. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. So that was the case of Tony and Susan Alamo. The Alamo Christian so sad. It really was. It's it very really tragic. Was, and there, there are so many cult leaders like Tony. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me to bring these stories forward to show people that one, this happens. Two, how uh, how easy it is to fall for this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and that it people shit on cults, which they should, but, like, joke about cult, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a real thing, and it and it, and it really affects real people. It's really tragic. And it's sad, and, I mean, I mean I'm not gonna gatekeep for jokes, but, yeah. at the same, just be, I just want people to be aware. Mindful. Yeah, that this happens, and it sucks, and it's real, and it's disgusting! It's disgusting. Utterly disgusting. But anyway, Hope you guys enjoyed today's hope episode. You guys enjoyed. We're about to go eat. Yeah, we're so hungry. But I hope you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Instagram. All at Crime Goes Podcast. And we will see you guys next Sunday. Thank with you for listening. Bye. Bye.